filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. with some sort of cold open and adam just asked me if i wanted to do a cold open and after like a three second pause i was like i don't know uh because that's that's all i have left uh that's all i have left to give at this point um i thought maybe two days off would help uh after the barrage of of soccer and it did feel like a long amount of time between saturday's double games and now wednesday i was like oh wednesday that's so far away um, but the the thing is that like other stuff happens in your life, like you need to go to the store and possibly have work to do. Uh, you have to wash some dishes or things of that nature. And all of a sudden, all that stuff still takes time. Uh, and then you find yourself on a Monday night when you thought it would be like, okay, I'm well rested time to round into coverage of this Wednesday game. And instead it's like, I haven't gotten anything done for the site because the site crashed briefly. Um, and now it's now and i i feel not rested and also i have not achieved anything and now i'm staring down the barrel of wednesday's game it's just it's too much man we gotta reduce the number of games if you if you're a world cup every two years person i don't want you to listen to this podcast ever again that's my position (laughs) you've been kicked out yeah Uh, jason is very clearly running on fumes right now but is also standing in for just humanity in the 21st century i feel like i i am i'm representing all of us in our our fight against the number of things that we have to do at all times so we all need to get behind jason here and support him through this tough time (laughs) because he is us and we are him (laughs) support me and back me by urging the authorities to stage fewer soccer games uh clustered together Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and can we please slow down the schedule, please? Podcast, I'm Adam Taylor. He is Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley uh, will not be with us this evening. He had uh, some other personal matters he had to attend to. Um, So it's just Jason and me. We will be talking about DC United's scoreless draw against Nashville SC this past weekend, and we will be previewing DC United's upcoming visit this Wednesday from the league-leading New England Revolution. Uh, that'll be at Audi Field, 7.30 Wednesday night. If you can't make it down to the stadium, uh, watch it on NBC Sports Washington Plus, the overflow feed there, um, Teleexitos and Espanol, or stream it at dcunited.com or ESPN Plus. Before we go any further into these two games, however, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, relating to uh, my fatigue and, and just generally being a uh overburdened with things to do uh i was out picking up some groceries and whatnot and found myself with not enough time to actually complete that trip uh and also still needing to eat dinner so i stopped at popeyes on my way home and got a chicken sandwich and while the guy was handing me my card back through the drive-thru window it slipped out of his hand so i had to like 
kind of like get I had, I had to grab the card but i had to like open my car door and slide my hand and mm-hmm. he felt very bad about this even though it was like a very minor inconvenience and i wasn't mad at all i was like oh that's that's all right people drop things it's not a big deal um so i got my card and um his his helpful or his want to to be uh helpful and make up for his mistake i guess amounted to him giving me a free lemonade um and so I drove home with free lemonade. I was like, what am I going to do with a lemonade? I don't really want this lemonade, but I also can't bear to throw it away. So while I ate my dinner, I popped it in the freezer and I finished my food. I took it back out and added some, it, it's that like fake lemonade, like the soda brand lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I popped some uh, lemon juice in there and added some vodka. And that is why I'm drinking, uh, because I can't bring myself to throw it away, which is a <laughs> Did problem. Did it slush up a little bit in the freezer, it, or is it very, just very cold? A very tiny amount, uh, but once I stirred the vodka in, that kind of broke up. It, it was only in the freezer for like half an hour, so it wasn't enough time. Um, but it, it's it's fine for what it, I mean, what I described is obviously a like a college drink rather than an adult drink. Um, and for what it is as a college drink, it's fine. I'm drinking a mezcal old fashioned. That sounds um, better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty tasty. Uh, mezcal plays really well with both citrus and like herbal out or like aromatics, like mm-hmm. um, allspice and cinnamon. So I have an allspice cinnamon syrup that I put in there, and some orange bitters and lemon bitters and mezcal, and stirred it up and put it in my Waji Villa gl- mug that I discussed it's- last week. And it is look <laughs> at this logo, Jason. Look at logo. It's- it's I, I haven't I hadn't seen it in a while. I remembered the horse um, <laughs> when 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 this came up. I remember there being a horse, but I forgot the top hat aspect of it. Um, <laughs> the top hat, the knot. Yes, it, it's uh, a bright red horse wearing a top hat, and bright red is not the only or even one of the only uh, bright colors. It's most of the bright colors. Um, <laughs> it's pretty great. Wajivilla is the correct name for that logo. Um, yeah, I adore it. <laughs> It is so absurd. It's wonderful. And the drink is tasty. It's weird to drink out of a mug. Uh, I won't lie. Like, that is not sure. what I'm used to drinking out of mugs. But for, for you and the listeners, I will I will put myself through this drinking a tasty beverage that doesn't belong in a mug. In a mug. <laughs> um, to the soccer, DC United were without three of their top attackers on Saturday night, forced to rotate through a number of of other players across the field for their first game back after the international break. And the result was uh, no goals for anybody scoreless draw at home against second place, Nashville SC who came in, sat deep, looked to steal a goal against the run of play and uh, seemed pretty content with the point. Yeah. Especially as the, as the game wore on, they became more and more content. Um, There was a, there was a phase of like 15, 20 minutes there where, um, they were doing something I've seen them do a couple of times in their since they've switched uh, to this back three that or back five most of the time. Sometimes they're willing to get those wing backs up high so that when they Nashville when they attack it's almost like a three three four, um, and they did that for a little while. Uh, but after a, after a, th- that early risk of like maybe we'll go for this for a little bit, um, they stopped doing it. And by the time the second half rolled around, Nashville was clearly looking to get out of there with a draw, which there's a reason why we just talked about this um, with uh, Valera on the last episode. Um, This is a team that picks up draws left and right. Um, And they are perfectly willing uh, to 
keep getting draws. It's actually one of the reasons why the East is so clogged is that um, when push comes to shove, Nashville will take the draw against you and they'll probably get it um, is the downside is that they are, when they've made up their mind that a draw is the thing, they tend to get what they want. Um, it's a new meaning of take the draw. Like they're yes. not accepting the draw. They're not taking it that way. They are forcibly right. They removing the draw from the case. And <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very good at creating the circumstances that a game can be kind of, kind of uneventful. Um, this game, you know, DC didn't create a ton uh, throughout, um, especially, I, th- I think the expected goals is for MLS, at least they're showing 1.1 to 0.2 from Nashville. Um, and Nashville went a long chunk of this game with nothing. They had no shots on goal for like almost 40 minutes, um, which is, you know, it's good for DC that they didn't give up some of the counters. This is when they played at Nashville, they gave up some counters. Um, Nashville was trying harder to score, but they also gave them some space to operate in. Those spaces didn't appear this time, which is good because um, Hani Mukhtar, you know, this is a re- the major reason why Nashville is high up the standings is that they are good enough when they they've set when they set up and they say, we're going to get a draw at the very least tonight. If you screw up at all, they're good enough to be like, oh, well, we'll take the win. If you're going to if you're going to leave it available, we'll we're good enough to steal it from you. Um, and so D.C. didn't do that, which is a positive. But the downside is that. 1.1 expected goals at home is one of the lowest totals they've had this year. Um, and it is, you know, Nashville's good at what they do. Uh, it's not a lot of fun, but they're very good at it. Um, and when, like you said, if DC is coming into this game without Paul Ariola or Edison Flores or Yordi Reyna, all of a sudden, a lot of the invention in the attack is gone. And right when you need it, right? Like Nashville, you need that invention to be very high. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why DC struggled a little bit is that uh, you had a center forward, another guy who seems to also be a center forward. And then a third guy who has played some center forward, but is really like a hardworking winger type. Um, There's not a lot of creativity there. Uh, Kevin Paredes had to shoulder a big burden. Uh, Nashville did a pretty good job keeping Julian Gressel from having too many opportunities to serve the ball in outside of set pieces um, where he was, pretty dangerous dc was not too far from making a few of those pan out but not too far rather than actually doing so yeah they dc had the two best chances of the the night or the two i guess closest chances i don't know if they were mathematically the best one of them certainly was they they Um, were um just looking at the the nashville expected goals there's a lot of very tiny chances adding up to their point two it's or i shouldn't even say a lot because it's not a lot it's it's six shots adding up to point two um, right. Russ- there is no good chance in their in their set. <laughs> Russell Knauss got on the end of uh, Julian Gressel free kick, um, managed to head it right at Joe Willis. If he puts it anywhere else, mm-hmm. it's a goal. And that happened in the midway through the second half, I want to say. And then mm-hmm. uh, Ola Kamara in the third minute hit a curler that, that rattled the post. Which, um, fun story say- about if that, if that one goes in, obviously we're talking about a much different it's game. It's a very different game. Nashville, yeah. probably that open stance that they started with, it probably continues or at least comes back again. Maybe they say, let's get out of this first half only down one, and then we'll try to push for our goal at halftime. But obviously any game that finishes 0-0, a third-minute goal would make it a very different game yes. by definition. But I think in this case, it would have been a dramatically different game. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's what happens. It's, it's a 
uh, we've seen Kamara convert that chance a few yeah. times at it's, that end of Audi Field too. Um, yeah, what's one thing that's funny is um, I normally sit at that end of of the stadium, and in this game, mm-hmm. I was sitting at the other end, um, basically directly across from the press box, which is where the end where DC United warms up. Yeah, and so right at the end of warm ups, they have the the players after they do you know their their short side keep away game and then they they go and do some shots on goal and then and some crossing practice and then they have to run through the the actual like get your heart rate up kind of things with the cones where they're they're scrambling through the cones and and running short sprints Mm -hmm. um at the end of the last sprint every dc united player just basically continues the sprint into the locker room into the tunnel except Mm -hmm. one player and that was Ola Kamara. He peeled off because he wanted to do one more shot at goal. And he set up that exact curling shot from the, the left side, curling to the back post. And he nailed it. Right. Going into the locker room. And I was like, okay, I wonder if this is going to come back around. And it did, but not quite the way you wanted to, because sure. just that little bit off um, from the pressure of the the defense and having to rush it a little more than you do in warmups. Um, but he very nearly you know, open the scoring there. And then not that long after DC United had uh, a penalty shout. And then later in the first half, another penalty shout, neither of which got so much as a, of a finger to the ear from uh, uh, Ismail Elfath, the referee. I don't know yeah. who the VAR was. I don't even know if there was a VAR for this game because I, the nothing seemed to get reviewed. Well, so, so on the broadcast, they did mention uh, that Joseph Mora's tackle just after the start of the second half was apparently at least looked at, um, though not looked at for very long. Um, so I assume that that was the only review. Uh, but yeah, these two calls are, the both of them are, like one of them is obviously a penalty, and then the second one would be like, illegal in most sports anywhere um <laughs> it was a wrestling move rather than a soccer move um but the you know the first one Elfath calls the foul um he he said that Nigel Roberto was grabbed on the outside of the area he he set the ball just a couple inches outside the 18 um if you go back and watch this one uh one on the line is in the box uh for these purposes and this one is clearly a situation where it's on the line. And then in my watching it several times at halftime, it starts on the line and continues into the box. Um, all of which is a penalty, like starting on the line is a penalty. Right. And then it moves closer to even more so a penalty. Right. Um, and a hold is, is for these purposes, a little bit different than other kinds of fouls, other yes. fouls where they happen, where they're initiated is where they happen. A hold is a continuous foul. Yes. And it's actually the end point that matters Right, and it, if at it, any the, point it goes into the box, it's a penalty. Yeah, the the guidance is pretty clear on that. Uh, IFAB cleared this up specifically so that, like, yes, if you're being fouled in a continuous manner and you proceed into the box and get in there, that is a penalty kick at that point. Um, and this is also one where the AR uh, on the near side should be in position to help. Uh, they should be able to get on the line and see where that foul is happening. Um, the fourth official should be able to help to some degree, having a perhaps a better angle. Uh, to at least confirm um, what what the foul was and maybe where it started. Um, VAR absolutely should have corrected the mistake from Elfath because it's a penalty. Um, it's not... It's a clear and, and obvious error. Yeah, it's not an iffy call. This is a penalty. Um, and so that was that one was irritating. The second one was such a bad call that I didn't even get mad about it. It was just like, uh, fine, okay. 
Um, because on that one, it's a clothesline. Uh, Steve Birnbaum gets clotheslined challenging for the ball. Uh, and, and in fact, nothing was called at all. This one, obviously, right. it was so far into the box that there is no option to place it outside the area. Um, this is just them saying, like, I don't see anything wrong with this. Um, yeah, you're allowed to punch someone in the neck before they can right. jump for a header. That's right. just that's just in the laws of the game. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, a, that's a, the um, exception. It's written I, I down. I wish I I wish I knew which wrestler has some sort of takedown that resembled this. But uh, whoever that is, if you're a listener that loves wrestling, maybe you know. Um, I don't know who that might be. I'm sure there's somebody that had this kind of uh, a move that looks like this because that's what that's what we're looking at here is a pretty dramatic fall for for Birnbaum because he gets clotheslined um while he's trying to jump up and challenge for the ball it's uh it's absurd that it didn't get called like like I said like I sound mad now but at the time in the moment I was like okay that's so obviously a penalty that it was mad about it just it feels beyond me at this point if like if that's not a call then like literally there's the concept of calling things in soccer is non-existent um and then at that point why even have a referee what are they there for um, yeah. And if you get those two penalties, either of those two penalties, then the expected goals jumps up to closer to two sure. for DC United. Sure. And it looks much more like something we're used to seeing. And that without our three most creative attacking players. Um, it's yeah, it's one of those things where DC United did what they could. And it just, for whatever sure. reason, wasn't going to happen tonight or on Saturday. And, you know, there is the side of this where it's as irritating as that is that you should get if you create two stone cold penalties in a game, you should get one of them at the least. Yeah. Um, you should get both, but you should definitely get at least one. Um, as much as that is irritating, it is a reminder that come playoff time, it's not like the referees improve in being the playoffs. It's the same referees. Elfath is a higher rated official uh, within PRO by my, you know, just the indications of which games he gets assigned. He gets a lot of national TV games. Um, this game between two of the better teams in the East, there's a reason he got this assignment. Um, that's the standard of refereeing in the league, though. So that means that come playoff time, those are the referees that are going to get the assignments. And if that's the kind of call that's not going to be there at home for DC when they're the only team really doing any attacking, if that's the way things are going to be, then DC to advance is going to have to find a way to create a goal regardless, where it's right. like where they they don't leave it in the hands of MLS referees. And it's, you know, it sucks, but it's also, that's the way of things. Um, if you're Nashville and you're in their kind of run of form, you seem to get a few more of these calls than you should. DC this year, especially early in the season, piled up a bunch of these where they should have gotten one and didn't. Um, so it's not, it's not a lot of fun because I feel like we've been down this road a couple of times this year. Um, But at the same time, you know, I I mentioned the Mora VAR thing when they showed it, when they cut to the replay of that, I thought, oh, he's going to get sent off. Um, So I will say that DC might have gotten lucky on another big call. And that one also doesn't like if you reviewed that and it seemed like they may have um, the broadcast seemed to think that they did. If you reviewed that and didn't think that the studs up nature of that challenge was was not a red card, then I, I mean, I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, bad a bad night for the referees, and unfortunately, DC didn't quite have enough to overcome it. Uh, slash, they did at least get one, you know, one lucky call in there. In my opinion, at least. Right. 
the red was bad. The the ref was made mistakes in both directions. I guess you could argue. One thing I'm I'm curious about is if we're going to see a higher bar for penalties for DC United the rest of this season, which is nonsense, right? Like that's not how the game works. Mm-hmm. But DC United has won more penalties and converted more penalties than any team in the league this year, if I if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's just the refs are like this team is getting too many penalties. Somebody tweeted it tweeted that at me as a joke but it's like actually is that what's happening are they just saying this team can't have any more penalties did we use up our quota like it's it's bizarre and it shouldn't be in the referee's mind at all but i wonder if it is i mean who knows who knows uh yeah any explanation to to give us as to why these weren't called would be something because right now it just seems like pure mistake and no rationale behind it it's just a it really is the like randomness of life uh, coming to show you bad news all of a sudden. Um, and yeah, I, I, I can't explain it, especially the second one. Um, Cause the second one is not just more egregious. It also comes after the first one was so clear um, yeah. that at that point, you'd think the, the human nature thing uh, being the referee in the home team stadium, having not given them the one is to definitely give them the next one. That's even close to as a, a a penalty and in this case it was not that it was close it was that it was like a maximum penalty yeah but anyway it was, it was a borderline assault <laughs> yeah um so yeah I, I it's it's a frustrating game for sure because you see those calls and you also see nashville really effectively set up to park the bus at the end of the game um no real bones about what they were trying to do once the hour mark came it was like okay we got to zero zero at this point we're done trying to do much else in this game we just don't want them to do anything either um and it's not a lot of fun when you're dc the way dc wants to play this year the games have been more fun they've been more eventful um it's not a lot of fun to have the reminder that there are a few teams in the league that are good enough to come to audi field and figure out a way to kind of spoil it yeah it's like a good ben olsen team and yeah in some it's respects frustrating as hell to play against it, i mean yes you know, I'm sure for, for Nashville fans, I'm sure they found the whole thing kind of amusing um, and are like, you know, good result on the road. And it's kind of funny that DC fans are angry about it, but they're kind of a, there's a little bit of a troll team aspect to Nashville. Um, when they, when they don't have the soccer side, they can at least troll you and, and kind of cancel your game from happening. And so you just end up with a draw on your uh, results and it's like how did that how did that end up as a draw like nothing happened in the game and they're like yeah we didn't want anything to happen so we just made sure that nothing occurred um, right and too too much of the game played out with not enough going on and some of that is availability dc had to bring nahar out of the game at halftime um which honestly is kind of a surprise that he was available to start um because he played for honduras uh just three days before this because of course there was another game and he played all three games in that window for Honduras. Yeah. So, um, you know, lucky lucky that he was available. And I I will say I've talked about the upfront up risk, the front loading of risk in games is what I think you should do. Um, so if you say he can only play 45, what 45 are you going to play him in? I would say play him in the first 45. Um, yeah. If, if that's the choice, play him in the first 45. Um, it didn't pan out, but that doesn't mean the risk wasn't the right one to play. Um, and yeah, sure. It would have been nice at halftime knowing that it would be zero zero to be able to switch that one and bring him in. Um, but you don't know that one. You can't see the future unless you, if you're a listener on the show and you can see the future, then, you know, please help us out with some, some advice. 
Um, but in, in until that happens, until there's a soothsayer involved with DC United, um, this is the appropriate uh, way to approach this one, I think, is to take that risk of playing Nahar, playing Paredes as a wingback in the earlier stages as well, um, getting Adrian Perez uh, some, some minutes to build him back up. I thought he was fine, a little rusty. Um, yeah, but he, not... he worked hard. He did what he needed. Yeah, he had a couple moments where he was involved in a, in a in a way to help progress progress the team up the field and combine with others. But you know the the numbers don't look too great for him. But given how long he was out, it's one of those where you're like, yeah, this is fine for for someone that had been out for that long and was kind of ahead of schedule. Um, yeah, this was, like two or three weeks ahead of schedule. Probably. Yeah, yeah, when when he got injured initially, I I made a note on my stuff to know what game he should come back for, and I was expecting it to be a week later um, than this two two more games down the road. Um, so credit to him for getting back and, and we'll see how much he can play on the turnaround that's coming up, but um, he was all right. It is though. The other side of this is that DC ended the night with um, Donovan Pines led the team in shot attempts, um, which is not really the best indicator. And Russell yeah. Canals was second. And those were all, if I'm not mistaken, all three of his shots were set piece shots as well. Right. So it kind of it kind of tells you how the game went that the leaders in shot total for DC on this game out of 14 those two had seven um combined and I if I'm not mistaken all seven of those were not open play. Right. Two two thoughts about that. One is uh Donovan Pines was in the 11 for team of the week uh this week Kevin Paredes was on the bench. Kudos to both of them. Uh Pines was good on both sides of the ball in this one he he shut it down anytime someone tried to run up his side and Paredes was good the two of them I thought combined pretty well too um on that left side and Russell Knauss has been he's been getting forward and getting on the end of set pieces more in the last few weeks Mm -hmm. and he's been in position on open play to to try to do some stuff too and I really want to see that develop even more from him because having a late runner from central midfield adds an element that this team needs, I think, um, when it comes to scoring goals and having another another potential target, even if it's on trick plays, like a couple of the one, like yeah. the one we saw from Julian Gressel, who just passed the ball across the top of the box and Ola dummied it before uh, Canal shot it left-footed, which surprised yeah. me. I thought he was going to go right-footed. And if he had, I think it would have gone on goal uh, instead of being blocked. But you're seeing more... You're seeing more set pieces designed for him to get on the end of. And if he can start getting them into the goal, then that's a, that's another level this team could have, which is, yeah. which is nice. But and it, in the it end, wasn't far. The, the one that you're talking about, um, it's not far from panning out. And in fact, um, there was a brief discussion on the broadcast about whether that might be handball because it hit, I can't remember who it was from Nashville, hit them in the thigh and then the elbow. Um, it, that's not a handball. Um, one, the yeah. elbows tucked in, and two, um, the bang bang nature of that play. Referees are not supposed to punish that, so that one I got no problem with. Um, but it is one of those where he almost sneaks it by, um, and that's more what I'm going to highlight is that he almost Canals almost got that one to go in. Um, so not far off, and he's, you know, getting more dangerous in those situations as that. Um, kind of a little speaking of Nashville, kind of a Dash, uh, Dax McCarty kind of thing mm-hmm. um, where because of his size, he tends to not be registered as as much of a threat. 
but he's so good in the air and he's good at getting into space and he's, uh, you know, physically strong enough where when he goes up against some of these bigger defenders, he's still able to fight that battle. Once he gets up there, he just has to jump higher uh, than, than uh, most people do, but he's pretty good at it. So um, it's, it's something that I'm sure DC has noticed um, as a, as an asset that other teams maybe aren't as worried about They They look at DC and they say, okay, Donovan Pines, Steve Birnbaum, these are the guys we have to worry about in the box. Um, and they should, they should worry about those guys, but if they're, dedicating resources to them to so much an extent that Canals gets an easier one-on-one or or even goes unmarked and is attacking his own great um that's that's good and it's nice that the chances are there and we've seen him score enough where we know it's not it's not something where if he gets these chances week after week that they're not going to go in um if you give him right. these looks again he's probably going to get one well that's what I want to see I like that he's getting these looks um, and I want to see them start going in and there's reason to think they will. Um, but the, I think the big lesson from, from the name is MLS is hard enough. And when you're missing your three most creative players, it gets even yeah. harder. Um, so take the point, move on, try to beat new England on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, speaking of the, you know, to, to the point of being creative, um, I'll, I'll throw this at you. Who do you think had the best expected assists for DC United in this game? I would assume Julian Gressel. Nope. No. No. Not even Gressel wasn't even top three. Wow. Yeah. Uh, who else? Let's see. Paredes. Nope. <laughs> you got. You're gonna have to tell me because I'm. I'm it's, gonna go. Yeah. It's Joseph Mora um in just 45 minutes yeah yeah um, he had he had that one ball across that yeah um when he and got I think it, by Paredes. yeah and i think that was a um that was most of it was on that one specific pass which was a really good pass yeah um, but it does speak to the problem dc ran into in this game which is like i said before you have i, I think the team has some view of possibly roberta being best as a right forward um i don't i haven't seen it yet I still think he's better as a nine. Yeah, I agree. But if he if he's playing that right forward role and Kamara's your nine and Perez is your left forward or vice versa with uh, Roberta and Perez switching, what you've got in that scenario is the balance problem that it's, it's a different version of the balance problem that DC had earlier in the year when it was Ariola and Perez, um, where you didn't have enough craftiness. And here you have two guys that want to be nines um, and one guy that wants to combine, but you don't have that inventive um, option. And later in this game, we saw, um, you know, Losada brought Drew Skundrich in and moved into like a what I would say is more three four one two. Um, and I think it was less about a player being a ten underneath. It was more about how am I going to get the best out of the forwards in the game. Yeah. Um, and so by going to a two, um, you end up with. Um, there was briefly it was Kamara and Paredes as the forwards, but then um, Abila came in late. And so we saw a little bit of a different approach there. Um, But yeah, as long as it's, and it sounds from, I think Steve Goff tweeted that he was expecting um, Ariola might be back not too long. Um, uh, Missing two more games. Yeah. Um, And Reyna and Flores sound like they're out longer. Um, so we might see that mixed in. Um, 
uh, two forwards with someone underneath them. Um, this was a curious lineup, all things considered, given that uh, Yamil Assad was just not in uniform. Right. Um, Griffin Yao was unused on the bench. Right. And, and which I actually am glad you brought up Griffin Yao because my first thought with, with him was that um, if Assad isn't necessarily, if he's got a knock or if he's on the outs or I don't know, it's one of those mysteries we don't really have a good answer to right now. Um, that at least that I've heard is an explanation as to why he wasn't included. Well, on the um, post game press conference, um, Steve Goff asked yeah, that I couldn't Losada, that I couldn't listen into. Um, yeah, Steve yeah. Goff li- asks straight up at the very last question, um, "What is Jamil Assad's status right now?" And Losada just said he was not on the roster tonight. Right, that's all so, he said. Like, and and sometimes you know sometimes Losada just doesn't want to tip his hand uh, mm-hmm. about something. Um, you know, and this is pro- probably one of them as to whether what he's not trying to give away is a different issue. Um, but if he's on the outs, if the issue is that he just doesn't, you know, Losada just doesn't feel like he's the right guy right now, um, then I, against the Revs, I would want to look at Griffin Yao. He's not necessarily a pure creator, um, but there is a certain persistence to his willingness to call his own number. Um, go at people on the dribble or take a shot. Um, there's a bravery to what he wants to do that if you've got two nines, uh, having someone around them creating chaos, a different kind of chaos can still be beneficial. And if you've got Perez out there looking to combine a bunch, well, a guy that wants to play like Yao, where he's calling his own number a good amount, does need somebody to combine with somebody that's willing to say like, okay, it's not, I'm fine with not calling my own number because you're going to do it anyway. So let's, you know, let's have our strength dovetail here. Um, so I, I honestly, you know, if, if Assad is not up for consideration, then yeah, why not? Um, because I, I think the balance issue is such a thing where you have to tackle it. it it's not a thing that's going to just get better with time, um, in my opinion. Um, so either DC is going to have to approach this game with a, a solution that is for two forwards um, two true forwards, or if they want to stick with the front three again, Griffin Yao probably needs to be considered for a forward role. Because if not, it is Mora as the wing back and Paredes pushed forward, which is another good option that has worked this year. Um, but at home against the Revs, I tend to skew towards you're going to need to take the risk of being open because you're going to have to score more goals. Um, yeah. The Revs are not a team that you can bank on being sure of a shutout. Um, and so it kind of requires you to be able to outscore them rather than get just grab the odd goal. Um, and now, now that I've said that, watch that, watch that be how it plays out on Wednesday. But to my mind, at least, um, getting Yao in there, if you know, or and you know, maybe maybe Losada is thinking about that as like a substitute option. But if the choice is a repeat of this front three or trying Skundrich as part of the front three and in a pressing role again, um, I would skew towards adding a risk taker in that group, a risk taker on the ball, um, because Roberta isn't that guy, Kamara isn't that guy, and Perez isn't that guy. Um, yeah, and you know, United's shorthanded um, up front, and they're not going to, you know, mo- they're not likely to get too many wins or create enough chances without somebody up there that is willing to roll the dice um, a little bit right. more. And it's not like Yao's. It's not like Yao's work rate is is low or anything we, right. we so saw he, last year he will get after guys and hound them yeah. 
without the ball. And, and and he's never, we've never seen him in any DC game be overawed by the occasion. Um, right. We don't see Yao go out there and let the game pass him by. Um, and this is, you know, going back to when he first started getting some minutes last year, um, or maybe even in 2019, um, Ben also noted that one of the things that Yao tends to do is he tends to score these like scrappy deflected goals or um, get on, get on a rebound or things like that. These, these sort of scruffy looking goals. And it's because he's so high energy um, and he's always insistent. There's a, there's a constant, you know, he must be a huge pain in the ass to play against because he's just always looking to go to goal. He's always looking to go forward. Um, I understand why Losada's looked at him as a wingback in this system because he wants that out of his wingbacks. Um, but right now, I, th- I think he might be a solution that needs to be in consideration up front because, you know, there is sort of a one note aspect to who else is available because who else is available, um, you know, look at who we mentioned coming in. Abila comes in. You can't play Abila, Kamara, and Roberta at the same time. Um, I don't think you can play Abila 90 minutes. I don't know if you can play yeah, him from the start certainly not. at this point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. One, you need you're going to need fresh legs because the the quick turnaround for Saturday, and this is already a quick enough turnaround. There's even quicker turnaround to follow, um, but also you do need to shift the balance. and And I'm really interested to see whether it is front three with Yao or with somebody else, given that nod, or if we see um, a ten of some kind playing underneath. And then who is that playing? Is it Skundrich? Um, is it maybe Felipe who has some experience doing that in the past? Um, right. Paredes ended this game in the 10. Yeah. So, so the, there are definitely options. They're not conventional options, but um, I will say that if, if the choice was given to me and it was repeat the starting lineup, the starting front three from the Nashville game against the Revs or try something different, I would be leaning towards try, uh, analyzing these other options and going with the best one from there. And maybe that's the plan. Um, right. I think these halftime substitutes were, um, made with the, this week in mind, not the one game in mind. I think this was a, we have three games to deal with. They're all important games. Um, it was that kind of sub, which you're allowed to do to a certain extent with the five subs, uh, situation that is still in the rules right now. You can burn some subs based on future planning and not say, well, we have to keep them for this game. Um, right. And, you know, I, I feel like we're going to see five subs in all of these games because, of course, like you have to, you have to. It's survival at, at this point. Yes. Um, yeah, it turns out you can't run every player into the ground every game. And there are some national team coaches that need to learn that mm. specifically as as high as his work rate is and as fit as he is. Paul Areola is more man than machine. And you you can't just break him every time you get to play with him, Greg Berhalter. Sorry, that was that was a little off topic. I think we, we should need, go to break. We'll cool what, off a little bit. What we need is some sort of RoboCop style solution. I don't remember anything in RoboCop going wrong. Um, it just uh, they you, they made a robotic police officer and then justice was served, and that's the movie. You raise a good point. I mean, <laughs> it was a utopian film, right? Yeah, everything was great. It was just two hours of fun times. <laughs> Please stick around. Come back after the break. This is filibuster. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights. 
in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United hosts the runaway Eastern Conference leaders and supporter shield favorites uh, Wednesday night as uh, the New England Revolution come to Buzzard Point. The Revs are on 66 points, which is good for almost two and a quarter points per game, well ahead of the record pace for a season. The LA uh, LAFC's 2019 uh, is yeah. the the current the Carlos Velo scores like 600 goals here yeah exactly yeah. uh so new england is currently on pace to well go well beyond that and we mm-hmm. will see on uh wednesday night whether or not losada and company have anything to say about that particular pace uh watch it wednesday uh down on buzzard point if you can't get to audi field it's in all the usual places except that the main broadcast will be on the Overflow channel of NBC Sports Washington. So just look for that and you will be fine. Um, despite all the lofty talk and ambitions about the Revs, all of which is deserved, they are having an incredible season. Anytime you are uh, this close to the end of the year and not just flirting with, but like going above and beyond all the records, uh, you, you deserve all the praise that you've gotten. Um, but New England uh, this past weekend uh, gave up the lead twice in their own house to the Chicago fire and had to settle for a two to two draw. Um, they did rotate some bringing in Adam Buxa and Tejon Buchanan um, off the bench, which should sound familiar to DC United fans, that exact setup. Um, but they, they allowed Chicago to score on them twice, which is surprising and not something that uh, playoff teams should be doing. Yeah, it it was a weird one. Uh, Maybe this was, you know, a little lost sharpness coming out of the international break. I don't know. It's a, a strange result to encounter at this point in the year. You would expect the, the fire are kind of a mess of a surprise. Um, (laughs) You would expect the revs to be able to do that. Especially this is not, the Carlos Hill is injured revs. This is Carlos Hill is healthy and playing the full game, if I'm not mistaken, revs. Um, so yeah, and, which is maybe a problem. DC, since Carlos Hill came into the league, we haven't actually seen him play against DC very much. Uh, if you think back to the MLS's back tournament, um, he returned to the starting lineup in that game and it was like, oh, well, that's terrible news. But then he picked up um, a related knock to his previous injury and actually was out for quite a bit of time after that. 
Um, I think that's that's it for his games against DC. He has not faced United very much. Um, so we've kind of caught a little bit of a break uh, against them. Um, and who knows what, you know, Arena has shown a willingness to rotate more this year yeah. than in years past. But um, with the position that they're in, with how many points they've already picked up, maybe they say this is a game where we don't need him for as much of the game. Um, who knows? Uh, that's kind of a dark, uh, a, a dark spot where it's hard to say what they're going to do, but they're still good. Like this one result is certainly not a pattern at this point. Um, they'll, they'll probably rotate some and they'll probably still have an excellent team on the field. That is going to be a huge challenge. The other side of this, of course, is that DC's other meetings with them have been very close games, despite them being, um, you know, especially that early season one where DC was still figuring out how to play the system at all. Um, they still managed to be good enough to really trouble New England in New England. Um, so right. we'll see. Trouble them um, on net, but the these two games that United have played, both of which were in New England, they were both very tight, um, but they they were couldn't be more different otherwise. The first one, the two teams combined for something like half of a an ex- expected goal. And in the second one, they scored five goals between the two of them. Um, and you know, the, the first one was decided because the potential own goal that bounced off our guy happened to go in and the one that bounced off their guy hit the post. Right. And the second one, we saw United come out, get an early goal with, um, that mid block trap. And then new England came out of halftime having put in Buxa and Buchanan and just scored two goals in rapid succession. They scored another one later and DC United pulled one back late, but that was that that halftime triple sub was, was the difference. Um, I feel like this game is going to have a different pattern than either of those. Most likely. Um, But it'll be interesting because, you know, like you said, arena could rotate Hernan Losada definitely has to change some things. Mm. Still won't have Ariola or Reina or Flores back. Um, There's a lot of questions on this and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and like you said, um, to to the Revs uh, lineup, you mentioned that uh, Buxa and Buchanan both came in. Um, They only played 32 minutes, which means they're probably going to be available from the start in this game. Um, And that's probably probably a plan from Arena. He probably said, of these two games, which one am I going to have these two available for from the start? Uh, It's going to be the away game against the good team and not the home game against the Fire. Um, apologies to Chicago, but I think you guys know that this situation <laughs> is what it is in the, in, in the Windy City for that team. Um, Buxa in particular, um, Buxa gives them the ability to go long. Um, and that is how they're most likely going to deal with DC's high pressing is rather than allow themselves to be pressed, they are simply going to say like, this is too much trouble. We're going to kick it to the big guy uh, and he'll hopefully hold the ball up. Um, but we're definitely not going to put ourselves in danger of giving things away too easily. So it wouldn't shock me if the revs come in and are very direct, um, be it going to Buxa for him to, you know, battle for or playing defeat, or they might go long uh, in behind uh, with Buchanan. They used uh, Emma Boateng uh, for a similar role last time and it worked very well. They, they were willing to cheat tactically and leave him high and wide and just sort of, hoof it in that general direction because they knew DC was going to push the numbers up 
uh, and leave that space. So that is kind of the battle. It is sort of one thing that's a holdover from that game that I think we will see. Um, just that that willingness to say, like, screw it, we're not even going to try um, to keep the ball here. We're just going to go to those guys direct and see what happens. The Rebs are very good at that is the problem. As much as it sounds like simple and regressive, they're also good at it. They know how to get the most out of playing that simple, regressive, um, old school kind of approach. They know how to, yes, they're playing over the head of someone like Carlos Hill, but they know how to then involve him as the rush comes forward. Um, they know how to get Buchanan in the spaces. They know how to make sure that he's not just stuck out on the touchline either. Um, so yeah, this is still, it's a big challenge. Um, Gustavo Bo, of course, um, will also, this is a, a way of playing that he's perfectly suited for. So I expect them to be pretty much all systems go. Uh, I think this is going to be the game where they're playing their best lineup. Um, maybe they rotate someone at the back, one of the fullbacks, but that's about it. So DC is going to be in for a challenge because of New England being able to say, you know what, fine, go ahead and high press us. We'll just kick the ball over you. Um, and when you look at their record, I mean, granted, if you look at the Rebs record, it's positive against just about everyone. Um, but they have won games against high pressing teams. They beat uh, the Red Bulls 3-2 at the end of July. They beat the Union 2-1. Um, so they beat DC, of course. Um, they have played a lot of close games against these pressing teams, but they've got... They've, they've had played no close reason. games against everyone. Yeah, they've got a lot of one goal wins. Um, but what that's given them is a ton of confidence that whenever, whatever difficult tactical challenges being thrown at them, their very simple way of getting around it, they believe in that enough that it seems to be working for them and they have no reason to hesitate and they have shown no reason to or no tendency to hesitate. They said that's fine. You're going to you're going to do your your crazy high wire act pressing scheme on us. Okay. Uh, we're going to kick the ball over you. And a lot of the teams that DC's caused trouble to those teams are trying to figure out a more complicated solution to the problem. And the revs have come up with the, like, what if, what if the TV isn't working? What do you do? Like, well, why don't you bump it on the top and see what happens? Um, <laughs> and they end up fixing the problem. So um, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, DC is going to have to be really well, really well prepared for what happens when play turns the other way. Because most of the time with this revolution team, it's going to be someone's first look is downfield. Um, whether it's up the wing or a diagonal ball or to Buxa, it's going to be longer. There's not going to be a lot of, let me find this short connection. It's going to be, they've turned the ball over. I've got the ball in enough space where I have time to pick my head up. I'm looking long. Um, and so that's the challenge for this one. It's It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see how Losada approaches that because, you know, how much of Andy Nahar can he get? Um, how much of Burnbaum and Pines can he get? Uh, because they're better suited to winning those aerial battles um, with Buxa so that, that their attempts to play along don't turn into anything cohesive. Um, but the other side of that is how much can you your midfield and forwards give to shut the revs down so that those long balls are just aimless rather than intentional. Um, right. Don't then, be like the Chicago fire and let the <laughs> revs advance from their own box up to midfield and then just chip it over the back line for Gustavo Bo to run onto. Don't, don't do that. 
No, that's a bad idea. Um, if you allow professional players the kind of space uh, and time to move the ball up the field, you can find guys that are significantly worse than the Rebs players that can make that make that look very easy. Yeah, um, Anal- yeah don't do that. And analytics these days really loves the idea of the progressive pass, and you should probably build a, your defense around preventing them, and that's part of what DC United's press does is it prevents mm-hmm. progressive passes. Chicago did the opposite. They just encouraged the progressive pass and the carry. And it was, it was rough. Um, but part of me actually kind of takes heart in that because the, the two goals the revs got were that with a complete gimme of a full field mm-hmm. goal and uh, a, a shot from 23 yards through traffic that happened to find its way like a worm burner that just found its way through traffic uh, into the post. Um they weren't the kind of goals that you see. Like, I mean, th- they weren't high expected goals that were complicated to get to right. or that were earned. Uh, they one of them was a great shot, and you know you're going to hit Which, those sometimes, right? But Especially it's low Rams. percentage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other one was a gimme, and then both times they gave up, gave it back right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if the revs come in without clearing whatever cobwebs they had from that game. Um, I like DC United's chances, especially because Matt Turner is shown signs of mortality these these yeah. last few weeks. Yeah, he's, he's been in, in MLS play, especially he's been. It isn't just the national team window. It's going back for like two months now. Um, yeah. His form has just been very kind of average. Um, and, and it's not it's not that he's not making the big saves because he still does make those. It's that he's making more errors. Um, he's, he's been a little more gaff prone lately and, and not making some of the basic stuff that he had been very good at. Um, but yeah, to, to your point about the Chicago game, the Rebs were held to the same expected goal total that DC was held to by Nashville, um, with a 1.1. Um, so and if, if you're not, if you're at home against the fire and you're only getting 1.1, that's not a good sign. That does not mean you had a good game. The downside is, of course, that they probably spent the last three days being told by Arena, like, you know, you guys think you've got it won. You think you finished the job and you're not done yet. Look, you you just uh, you almost lost against these guys from Chicago and they're no good because that's probably the way that Arena would motivate. Yes, them, is that like, is exactly almost, how he would say it. <laughs> you lost these guys and they're terrible. Look at these clowns. Um, yeah. So they would probably, probably say jokers, to be clear. Yeah, jokers or, or bums. He might throw that in. I, I was trying not to go that route but he might throw that particular phrasing in um but yeah this is maybe unfortunately for dc kind of a wake-up call game for the revs coming out of the international window of like oh yeah we're we're better than this um we have to just be a little better um so you know good news maybe they've shown a little vulnerability there but bad news maybe that's just a wake-up call for them um but yeah, the unfortunately the Rebs are just really good at um one they're good at soccer, but two they're good at they're that classic team that is able to get something when they're not very good. Um and a lot of that is their confidence at this point and the the skill level of some of their attackers that um DC is not going to be able to match uh if we're we're up front. Um DC is going to have to work hard for their goals in this game the Rebs might just end up having like Gustavo Bo might decide to shoot from 30 yards and hit a perfect shot um, where the team didn't have to put a lot into it. It just sort of happens for them. Um, but this is why you go out and spend this kind of money on high end attackers is that 
sometimes they can just get a goal because they happen to be that good rather than you having to your full 11 having to do so much to earn a goal um and dc's got to find a way to make it a little easier on themselves too uh because this is a team that is beatable um even though every team in mls is having a very hard time doing that um i will say that when you look at individual talent at the back especially if it's the matt turner of the last few weeks it's a good defense but it's not on a talent level pure talent level um anything truly special so there should be openings dc should be able to create uh more than they did against nashville quite frankly i think nashville is a better defensive team than the revs the revs thing is just being like that's fine that you score two goals on us we we are going to go get three right the the revs are the highest scoring team in the league and yeah. i don't think it's close um they they are definitely the team that will outscore you whereas nashville is the team that wants to hold you and you know, they'll score too. Nashville's good enough to score goals. It's just they're comfortable not scoring that many in a way that New England may yeah, or may the, not be. The Revs have 59 goals. The next closest team is uh, KC's got 52. That's, um, that's a big difference. Yes. So, yeah, the Revs, and, and they've also, their away record, they've got nine road wins, um, by far the most in the league this year. Or no, actually not by far. Seattle's also got nine. They just haven't been as good at home. Um, but yeah, the, the, the revs are as good as it sounds, but it doesn't mean that they're unbeatable. They just are, they've got so many good attacking players that they can make up for when they aren't very good in the moment. Um, and sometimes in the classic MLS fashion that make your own luck idea manifest as Chicago deciding collectively to stop playing for 10 seconds and see what, see what happens. Um, and against the revs, that means you're going to concede. Um, they're they are very well versed in what they're supposed to be doing and they don't really have a bunch of hangups there. There are some teams that have hangups about not winning a certain way. The revs don't care. They want to win the game and they'll win however they have to win. Um, and so that means that it's about as big of a challenge as you're going to get uh, at this point in the season. Unfortunately for DC is uh, coming off of the Nashville game and having to play this new England team right now. Yeah, before anyone thinks my comment about them winning by one goal a lot is is a criticism or a a vulnerability. I think I mean mathematically it's a vulnerability, right? It's easier to come back. But the number of games that Bruce Arena's LA Galaxy teams with Donovan and Beckham and Keane, the number of games they won one to nothing mm-hmm. in their championship seasons was ridiculous that was just like the pro like the ideal bruce arena game is you go out you get your goal and you just kind of make the game boring from there like not you don't absorb pressure the whole time you you keep the ball you move it around you know if you get another goal great but really don't need it it feels like you get that one goal lead and you're just you're good enough to hold it from there and a lot of times the revs are this year um and it'll be times I just went through and counted five different one nothings um, this year, and and also probably just as many two ones. Yeah, um, they they are very comfortable in these seemingly on paper high tension games where they have a lead that they're protecting. They're very good at not just protecting them, but like kind of comfortably protecting them. Um, in part because they they put you to this risk of like okay, we're down, so we have to put numbers forward. We have to take more risks. But if we take more risks, we're leaving ourselves exposed to Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo and Tejan Buchanan. What do you do? And a lot of times in MLS, 
this is not a DC problem. Fortunately for us, for an entertainment factor, a lot of times in MLS, the answer to that is like, let's wait a little while before we open up. But then the game kind of gets away from you. You tire yourself out. Um, and then all of a sudden you don't have the legs to really mount any kind of serious comeback. Um, DC for better or for worse is not the team that's going to let, they're not going to say, let's wait until the 70th minute to make our push. Um, right. DC, DC wants to be in the off. lead at all times. Yes. They come out at kickoff looking for the lead. And if you score first on them, they say, well, we just have to try even harder to get in the lead. Um, they, they, they are like the maximum overdrive joke that we've been making is in part because of this mentality. So they are, as much as we talk about the revs being kind of their own unique challenge, DC is kind of a unique challenge to the Revs who are used to seeing teams that are like, we have to be cautious about this revolution team. Um, DC is going to charge forward. Um, they they are not, there is no, uh, especially at home, there is not going to be a fear factor there that the Revs maybe are used to seeing in their opponents. Um, they're used to seeing a little more caution and DC doesn't do caution at Audi Field. So this game might be kind of wild. Um, it might turn into some sort of bizarre slugfest. Uh, we'll see if, I mean, the downside to that, of course, as much as it sounds entertaining, is does DC have the the firepower if it com- becomes that kind of game to hang? If it's like, okay, who who first team to score four goals wins if it's one of those? Does DC have the ability to create good chances? Not just chances, but good chances. Um, yeah, I because would they really... have that, it's the added degree of difficulty of not having a Carlos Hill or a Gustavo Boa on your squad. Right. If we had, if we had our top line names healthy, I'd feel frankly more confident than maybe I should Mm -hmm. coming into this one, given new England's record. But the fact that United has played them twice and given them trouble both times. um, Yeah. I I think I I'm going to, I'm excited to see what Losada does because I think he's got good ideas specifically about this. And I think he will have them up for this game. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's then, no doubt that motivation wise, I'm sure the talk about how, cause he's mentioned the revs being the best team in the league over and over again. Anytime they come up, he throws that in. Um, and I don't know how much of that is like a fully realized intentional thing, or if it's just one of these, like, this is how you sow the seeds so that later you can bring it up to players and be really impactful when you say, like, let's go take down these guys. They think they're the best in the league, but they're coming to our house and we're going to show them that no one's better than us here. Um, that kind of thing. It might hit harder um, for this group of players, given that they've heard all year that the Revs are the best team in the league. The Revs are the best team in the league. Um, so that's another, that's an interesting aspect to this is the the psychological side, because the Revs clearly, you look at their form, you say, okay, this is a team that clearly believes that they can beat everybody. Um, because they tend to beat everybody. So um, it's not, it's, it's pretty easy for them to make that case to themselves. They don't have to convince themselves of it. They just say, Oh yeah, I remember we won all those games. So we did do the thing that we are talking about. So yeah, yeah, of course we are. Um, DC is going to have to find a way to um, have that belief and confidence to overcome that side of things um, to, to be even more confident than the Rebs, which is kind of a tough position to be in, but, this is why the revs are the revs right now. And we'll see if United can do that Wednesday night at buzzard point. Thank you all for listening. Um, find us at black and support us financially. If you're so inclined at patreon.com slash filibuster, we do try to do perks for 
for for listeners, but honestly, the games come so fast right now that there's just we we can't put out early episodes because by the time we're done recording an episode, we have to start the next one because the game has happened. Uh, we missed the game. There was a game that happened while we were recording this. You missed it too. You were listening to this podcast and the, a game happened because that's the schedule right now. Uh, find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at black and red you for the website, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us, uh, to download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Please just tell a friend about the show too. When you are heading to the game on Wednesday, just mention that you listen to this episode and uh, we'll consider that a big favor uh, for us. Thank you again for listening. For Jason, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I think I just kind of want to have time to watch RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs>